Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! Dreams die hard, or do they? Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Nuanas, coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Appreciate you for tuning in here on this Wednesday. These Wednesday shows, pretty standardized lineup, but we got a lot to talk about today. We'll be joined by Sam Herter, Hero Sports, in just a moment. We're going to talk our way around the FCS, but wow, how about some bombshells today from the... Um, from the, the wide world of college football, the NCAA Division One Council adopted a whole new uh, group of bylaws today that includes an application fee to move to the FBS for college football programs. Used to cost $5,000, now it costs $5 million. What, what does that all mean? Some of the other stuff that was uh, talked about and uh, passed through at the Division One Council. Sam and I will talk about that here in just a moment. We also have Miles Hastings. Quarterback for the UC Davis Aggies joining us at 4.30. We'll hear from Mike Anderson, the head coach of the Grizz hockey team at 4.45. We'll also give you some wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill there about quarter to five as well. Hour number two, our ESPN roundtable. A rapid fire about some of the best storylines and most intriguing series in the Major League Baseball playoffs. Jeff Safford and Andrew Houghton will both chime in on our baseball-heavy uh, ESPN roundtable. And then 5.30, we'll hear from Keaton Gologli, our Montana State Minute Cats are on a bye this week, uh, and it's sort of like right at the midpoint of the season. So how do we evaluate the first five weeks? How do we preview the the second six weeks? What has Keaton been most impressed with? Uh, I caught up with Keaton earlier today, so we'll uh, we'll play that interview for you at about 5.30 as well. So there you go. That's the rundown for the show. You want to stream it? 1029ESPN.com. Click on Listen Live, and you'll find the stream. Of course, you can always stream it on the ESPN MT app as well. And if you want to be a part of the show, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. You're going to want to remember that if you want some wings here in about 40 minutes. All guests will join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line, which is where we go right now. Welcome in our great friend, uh, Sam Herter from Hero Sports. Sam, I had a whole bunch of questions for you, talking our way around what was a uh, Saturday filled with upsets in the FCS, but all that's out the window. We'll get to that here in just a little while, but you had some fascinating reporting today on Twitter and uh, on Hero Sports all about some of the stuff that came out of the uh, the NCAA Division One Council, including this now transitioning application fee that's going up in price substantially. So uh, 
Tell us, I mean, what does this all mean? $5,000 to $5 million, that seems like a, a steep uptick. What is your uh, takeaways from uh, what went down today? Yeah, this was a proposal that uh, we found out about, I think, late in the summer. Um, and honestly, I think the first reaction was it was only $5,000 to transition from the FCS right. to uh, the, the FBS. Uh, I mean, that seemed incredibly low, but to uh, move it all the way up to $5 million, um, I think tells us a lot of things. And one thing to mention, too, is the NCAA didn't, you know, propose this or they didn't adopt this new uh, fee. The Division One Council is made up of representatives from every Division One conference. Um, and so you have FCS commissioners or FCS athletic directors, FBS athletic directors, commissioners. So this was an FCS and FBS leadership decision. It wasn't an NCAA decision. Um, and I just thought I would mention that because I've seen a lot of people talk about how you know, greedy the NCAA is getting with this decision. Um, and, you know, it's the schools themselves that, that voted on this. Um, and I think it's essentially, um, you know, I think it's a, a benefit, uh, you know, if you're a, an FCS representative on this board or if you're an FBS representative on this board, um, I think it makes sense, you know, for both sides to approve this because uh, you want to make uh, the FCS to FBS transition more difficult than what it has been. You know, that's kind of obvious from an FCS side. You want to try to hold on to, you know, as many teams as you can. And on the FBS side, you don't want, you know, just any team coming into the FBS that's not going to fund their, their, their programs at a high level. Um, that is just, you know, making the jump to make the jump and chase more revenue streams. Um, and this is basically saying, hey, if you're going to jump to the FBS from the FCS, you need to be ready to go. You need to fund uh, your athletic departments um, and have resources in place to be able to come to the FBS and make the FBS better and not make it worse. Now, is this an absolute roadblock for uh, FCS teams? I don't think so. You know, I think if Montana State and Montana ever got the FBS invite and they really wanted to go, you know, they, they could come up with that $5 million, whether it's through corporate sponsors or through, through boosters, they can come up, come up with that $5 million. What is more expensive, though, uh, is the amount of is the scholarship. Um, requirement now. Uh, there used to be an attendance requirement uh, to be an FBS member. That has now uh, gone away. And instead, to be an FBS member, uh, you need to fund uh, at least 90% of your total number of allowable scholarships, uh, over 16 total sports. Um, and, it can, and it has to amount to no less than $6 million uh, that you're putting toward uh, football, or not football scholarships, scholarships all across your athletic department. Um, and so that is, you know, annually every year six million dollars that um you know you need to have toward uh, uh, athletic scholarships and you know some fcs departments might be in the four million or six or four to five million dollar range and so to me the, the new uh, scholarship requirement is is much more um of a quote-unquote roadblock if there is going to be one for an fcs team rather than the, the, the one-time five million dollar fee sam herder hero sports here on nuance is now on espn radio i was just thinking through my head sam in, in in big sky country here, obviously there's there's the 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 tales of Boise State, Nevada, and Idaho, and, and the varying levels of success they've all had since leaving the Big Sky Conference. And of course, Idaho is the one that that came back to the Big Sky after you know pretty much ensuring that it was not feasible to stay at the FBS. Lately, though. A lot of the the blue bloods of the FCS that have moved up have moved up and done well in the FBS. Unless you know, you talk about App State and Georgia Southern and James Madison. Part of that's their location. Part of that's just their their resources and all that. And part of that's their tradition and success. Is there any other? I, I guess if this rule would have been in place, if these stipulations would have been in place, is there any schools that have jumped up in the last ten or fifteen, even twenty years that this would have deterred? Um, maybe a couple, I mean, James Madison still would have made the jump, you know, I think yeah. App State and Coastal Carolinas, they would have made the jump, you know, Old Dominion, I think this potentially, uh, would have made them uh, hmm. rethink it. You know, Old Dominion is a, is a team that overall has struggled since making the jump in the mid 2010s, not only on the field, but I know, um, you know, just, just financially making it work has been really, uh, has, has been, a, you know, a really, a, a huge struggle point for Old Dominion. Um, you know. I think Kennesaw State and Sam Houston, they've said that even with this fee, they, they still would have been able to make that jump. Um, I don't know if I, I totally buy that. You know, I think they um, it, it would have at least made them rethink it instead of saying, all right, we, you know, we got the, the Conference USA FBS invite. We have to go now. Um, yes, you know, we'll, we'll figure things out, you know, as we go. I, I think 
uh, with these new stipulations in place, they would have paused, you know, a little bit uh, and, and would have had to do more work as far as, okay, where are we signing this $5 million? Um, it's not like Sam Houston has the fan base to just, you know, ask 20 different donors, you know, for, for that amount of money. Um, and then again, you know, the annual, uh, you know, scholarship uh, requirement of no less than $6 million, you know, that, that's a huge chunk of change uh, as well. And so, you know, maybe it'll prevent, maybe it would have prevented some teams uh, from moving up. Um, and in the future, you know, it could potentially uh, prevent uh, teams from moving up or at least the, the want to move up, you know, might go away for some programs. But again, if you're, if you're NDSU, if you're the Montanas, if you're the Delawares, if you're Eastern Kentucky and you are, um, you, you have the mindset of, yes, we want to go FBS. And, we, and if we ever get the invite to go with the FBS, you know, depending on who that invite is, we're going to accept it. You know, this $5 million is not going to be the, the, the roadblock that prevents the Bison or the Bobcats or the Grizz from, from going to the FBS. Uh, you know, the biggest roadblock is right now, frankly, is just getting that conference invite, which totally. has, hasn't come for, for some of these programs in, in, in a while or, or forever. Well, that's exactly right, right? We, we talk about this all the time. I, I saw another, I mean, you and I both, uh, I don't know if we necessarily like engage with them that much, but there's these there's these Facebook fan groups and, and you know, there's always different places where people engage with our content, which is a good thing, but there's always discussion and I, I'm always taken aback by how little of the actual details and nuances of what it takes to move up is understood by by basic, uh, you know, layman fans of, of college football, especially FCS football. Even today, I got another alert. They were talking on one of the, the message boards or Facebook or something. I can't remember. They all blur together at this point. But they were talking about why doesn't North Dakota State move up? And and people seem to – it escapes them that you have to have an invite to move up to somewhere, right? And that's why, you know, these Coastal Carolinas and, and – uh, App States and Georgia Southerns of the world, well, th- there's a much more natural fit for them to go. They can align with other schools in the region, whereas, like, unless NDSU gets a Mountain West invite, wh- who are they going to play against? What what league can they be in? It's the same thing with the Cats and the Grizz. And I totally agree, though. If, if the opportunity was there, the invite was there, I do think these schools would be able to figure out a way to make it happen. Now, how do you make it happen how do you make it sustainable? That's that's the other big challenge. Doing it immediately, okay, that's one challenge. Making it sustainable, that's a further challenge. But I still think that it would be in their best interest just because things are going to fracture all the way around them. What do you think the main motivation here is for the NCAA then, though, Sam? I mean, why, why is this this fee uh, getting raised so high? What, what does the NCAA want to get out of this? Yeah, I think it is, um, you know, again, I think it's supported both by, you know, FCS representatives and FBS, uh, you know, representatives for the, from the FCS side. I think it's just creating, uh, you know, more, uh, you know, stability um, just to, to make that pipeline to the FBS a little bit more difficult to make teams, uh, you know, rethink it if they do want to do this, because it's not a, uh, like you said, it's not a one, two, three, five year decision. It's, it's a 20, 30 year you know, decision of, you know, can we fund this at, at an FBS level, you know, not just for two years, but, you know, we need to increase all of our revenue streams. We need to increase uh, the, the amount of scholarships we're funding. We need to increase donor support and ticket sales. Um, we need to have our fan base engaged, uh, you know, with FBS football for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years because it's a long-term decision. Now I think from the FBS side, um, yeah, you know, a lot of people, you know, whether, whether it's the snow belt, which, you know, I, I'm not, you know, dissing or anything like that. I do think it's highly entertaining, you know, the, the, the snow belt uh, conversation. Um, but a lot of people throw out there, well, why doesn't, uh, you know, the, the, the WAC just go, all, just take all the teams and go to the FBS? Or why doesn't, you know, the Dakotas and the Idahos and the Montanas, uh, why don't they all just form an FBS conference and go FBS and go to the FBS? Well, you know, there's... Uh, the, the college football playoff revenue pot, you know, is pretty high, but, you know, they distribute that among all 130-some FBS teams. And the more teams that go to the FBS, you know, the more diluted that sure. gets. And I think what's happened in the last few years of realignment is, um, you know, whether it's all the way at the top of, you know, the Alabamas of the world or kind of like the, the, the middle tier, more middle tier teams like Boise State, they're seeing teams like, you know, Kennesaw State and Sam Houston move in and, you know, Jacksonville State and they, and they look at their athletic departments and they look at their stadiums and they go, wait, hold on. We're like, what, what are we doing here? Why are these teams joining the, F- joining the FBS? Why is it so easy? You know, the bottom of the FBS continues to get watered down. Let's make this a little bit more difficult where if you do want to join the FBS and you get the opportunity to, you know, you, you have to be ready to go from a, a scholarship standpoint, from a fundraising standpoint. You have to be, uh, you know, totally serious about it and not just come in and, and you know, kind of just, 
collect paychecks and not really compete and not put a, a good product on the field. Sam Herter, Hero Sports, joining us here on Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio. He joins us each Wednesday. We're talking about a whole bunch of the stuff that's coming out of the NCAA Division I Council and their meetings, and we'll get to some of the playoff stuff at the FCS level in a minute. But last question on this exact point, Sam, for those that are just joining us, uh, the uh, there's an increase in application fee for transitioning from the FCS to the FBS. It used to be $5,000, now it's $5 million, and that's effective immediately. I think we're on the same page on on uh, you know football out west when it comes to the big sky in the Missouri Valley. What if any immediate uh, impacts, and what if any long term impacts do you think this is going to have, uh, particularly when it comes to the, the the two power conferences in the FCS? Yeah, it, I mean it, it's one of those things where um, you know the the transition fee and it going up by you know a huge amount of percentage points. It could be completely irrelevant if there's just no, you know, room for FCS to FBS invites. Um, I mean, it could be one dollar, it could be ten million dollars, but if the Mountain West doesn't have an opening or the MAC, you know, doesn't want to, you know, expand, it just kind of stays in their own bubble. You know, the transition fee doesn't really matter for Montana State or NDSU or Montana because they're just they're just never going to get an invite. And again, forming your own FBS conference and just doing it that way um, just does not seem you know realistic um, at all right now uh, at, at this point. And so um, you know, it seems we'll see what happens. You know, with the Pac-2, you know, there's word out there that they might try to just operate as a two-team conference uh, next year, um, and then you know pick maybe three, four Mountain West teams, three, four uh, American Athletic uh, Conference teams to, uh, to, co- to join the conference in 2025 because the exit fees for those teams would be um, a whole lot less if they do it in 2025. And then in 2024, it's just a two-team uh, Pac-12. And so, you know, if that scenario happens, that is, uh, of course, going to impact Big Sky and Valley teams. Uh, but still, everything I'm reading and tweets I'm seeing from, from people that are in the know, it still kind of seems like a, a Pac-2 Mountain West merger of some type. Um, is still the most likely scenario. So again, if that happens, you know, there's there's no invite out there for Montana, Montana State, NDSU, you know, any of the Dakotas. And so uh, we'll just have to see how, how how things shake out. But you know, I guess if if I had to say, if there was one um, you know scenario where there is going to be the next FCS to FBS move up, you know, it's probably going to be Conference USA. You know, adding one more team to I think get to an even number. Um, so Conference USA adds one more FCS team, and that could be. You know, it could be Tarleton, it could be Missouri State, it could be Eastern Kentucky, but, it, you know, it's not going to be necessarily an FCS power. Um, and, and you talked about, you know, <laughs> FCS to FBS move-ups and, oh, NESU should just go already. Well, you know, location is, is a huge deal um, in that. And there's been local reporting and both national reporting uh, for the athletic where um, they've, you know, they've all said that NESU has yet to get an FBS invite. And so um, I think if you're a Bison fan or you're hoping that invite is going to come, uh, there's a whole lot of dominoes that need to fall before that, that actually ever happens. Well, and to be clear, you said this, but I want to reemphasize it. This is the Division One Council, so this is not the NCAA you know, basically making it hard on the FCS. This is all 32 Division One conferences with representatives from each that made uh, this decision. But they made some other decisions as well. So uh, tell us about the way that they're uh, sort of altering or I guess some of this the, the conversations that were had about the way the FCS playoff committee works. Yeah, so this this is a, a kind of a different deal. Um, it's not. Uh, it, it just happened that that I that I you know shared this news and reported this news on the same day. But it Got is it. kind of two separate things. Uh, the FCS playoff committee. Um, you know, I I can't remember if it was a column or a podcast or a, a tweet thread that I had last year where I basically ripped the, the coaches poll where you can go up and down and you know it just it just doesn't make sense. You know, as a coaches poll, and I said that the playoff committee should uh, should really reevaluate if they do have. Um, they should really reevaluate that as far as, you know, a, a data point um, yes. for them to look at as far as when it, when it comes to, you know, forming the bracket and the at-large bids and the season for, and all that. For those um, that don't understand the way the coaches poll works, there's there's 13 FCS conferences, right? And e- there's only two coaches in each conference to get a, a vote. Is this correct? Yeah, yeah. So there's two coaches, quote-unquote coaches, uh, per conference. So there's right. 26 voters in the coaches poll, but most of the time it's an SID or it's, sure. it's a grad assistant. Um, and I, I hear all the time still that, well, the coaches know more about football than the media does. The coaches poll is better. Okay, yeah, yes, coaches know a whole lot more about football than, than me or Craig Haler or any of us, but they're not watching games. You know, Big Sky coaches aren't watching CAA games unless Ever. they have a non-conference uh, opponent, right? So um, so, so, so basically, uh, you know, I, I kind of took it to the coaches poll last year and said the playoff committee shouldn't factor that into their thinking. 
Um, and then I later found out that the playoff committee actually did have a conversation about that shortly after uh, I kind of went on my rant. Uh, I reached out to an NCAA rep today just to say, you know, just to ask, hey, you know, I heard they were talking about whether they should take that off of um, kind of the, the list of criteria to look at. Uh, this NCAA rep told me that, you know, the playoff committee did talk about whether they should include the coaches poll or not include the coaches poll. They just they decided to leave it on there. Um, but I want to emphasize that just because the coaches poll is on kind of a long list of data points or tools that members can reference or utilize, that doesn't mean they have to look at it. You know, each committee member kind of has their own opinion of who should be a seed, who should be in that large bid, who should be in on the bubble. And they factor things like Division One wins, ranked wins, FBS wins, uh, you know, overall opponent record, strength of schedule, head-to-head, the NCAA simple rating system, record versus common opponents, the coaches poll, um, and each member can kind of decipher what they want to weigh the most. And the coaches, the po- uh, excuse me, the coaches poll, you know, could be a tool for members to, to look at. Uh, but I also think it, there's a very realistic possibility that every single playoff committee member knows that the coaches poll is not very accurate and they're not going to look at it at all. And they're going to weigh and factor different things when it comes to their decisions, when it comes to uh, forming the playoff bracket. Sam Herder, Hero Sports here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit just briefly about what went down last week. We're now uh, into October officially, but the last week of September, uh, some some interesting, to say the least, and uh, some eye-opening in some cases results, including South Dakota going to the Fargo Dome and getting a huge win. Uh, the Coyotes win 24-19. It has been, I mean, I guess first question, when's the last time that North Dakota State lost a regular season game at home to not South Dakota State? Um, honestly, I think it was the South Dakota back in 2015. Okay. Um, so if I'm remembering correctly, seven or eight years though, which is, is crazy in itself. Um, your, your take on that, because I know that NDSU has been so, it's been so interesting. We talked about it a couple times, how they sucked all the air out of the room for a decade. Then South Dakota state took their, uh, rightful place atop the perch. And all of a sudden NDSU is like kind of overshadowed. Uh, and there's been varying opinions about this Bison team. What went down in Fargo on Saturday? Yeah, you know, this was, I, you know, going back to that 2015 game, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it was, it was later on in the season. NDSU was like 7-1, and one, and USD was like 3-4. and four, And, you know, NDSU it, back in 2015 just, just played horrifically and, you know, just couldn't execute, you know, just looked really bad in an off game. And you could, you know, legitimately look at that game and go, okay, NDSU was the better team. It was just one of those off games. I don't think you can say that about about Saturday because, uh, you know, South Dakota just straight up outplayed North Dakota State. There was nothing fluky about it. No, you know, no trick plays, no weird fumbles, no, uh, you know, huge turnovers. Cam Miller did throw one interception that led to seven points. But overall, physically, talently, you know, speed-wise, South Dakota looked right on par, you know, with NDSU. Um, and I, I think I said it on your show. I can't remember when it was, but, you know, I said that almost quietly the Bison have – kind of gone back to looking like the Bison this non-conference. And NDSU did look really good in its non-conference slate, but all of a sudden after this loss, all the off-season question marks about NDSU have come roaring back where, okay, how good is this team? Because, again, it wasn't anything fluky, and South Dakota is obviously better than what we expected, but, you know, South Dakota is, is you know, they, they might not be as good as UND. They're certainly not as good as South Dakota State. They probably aren't as good as Southern Illinois. They might be on par with Northern Iowa. And NDSU still needs to play all of those teams, three of those teams that they have to play on the road. Um, I'm not saying NDSU is going to go 7-4, and four, uh, but, you know, 10-1, and 9-2, and two, uh, you know, NDSU is going to have to turn around and answer a lot of questions to have a record like that. Um, you know, it seems like they're probably going to lose to South Dakota State. They might lose one other game somewhere on the schedule. All of a sudden we're looking at an 8-3 and three NDSU team that is, playing on Thanksgiving weekend, which is which I don't think has happened since, I think, like 2010. Certainly, it hasn't happened since 2010. I remember that Thanksgiving weekend when they came to Bozeman and played Montana State and rallied back for a big win, and that was sort of the beginning of what has then been one of the great uh, and dominant eras uh, in the history of small school college football. Sam Herder, Hero Sports here uh, on Nuanas. Now, uh, just a couple more for you, Sam. Holy Cross lost to Harvard, and William & Mary lost to Elon is there anything to that? I mean, I, I guess, why was there so many upsets last week? Probably, the, it's probably just completely coincidental, right? I mean, not, there's nothing you can actually point to as a key factor. 
Yeah, it was just one of those one of those weekends in the FCS. Um, it seems like we have one of those every year where there's yep. just upsets all over the place. And uh, I mean, even at the time of a couple of these upsets, um, you know, timing wise, it was like that was when Montana State was at halftime and was only up by a score at Portland State. So yep. just, I think I tweeted too that I was like. It might just be one of those weekends, you know, in the FCS. Um, and, of course, Montana State, you know, rolled in the second half there. Um, but really the only, you know, top ten team that won comfortably for all four quarters was South Dakota State. Um, and they absolutely rolled uh, UND, who was number uh, number 12 at the time. Uh, South Dakota State, you know, it really rolled uh, UND. And so the, the Jacks really had the cleanest performance of the weekend. Uh, but everyone else, I mean, number two, number five, number six, number 14, number 16, uh, and number 23, all of those teams lost to unranked opponents uh, this last weekend. And so um, probably just another one of those weekends, but also at the same time it goes to show that, uh, you know, trying to rank the 25 best teams in, in week four of the FCS season is um, there's a 0.1% chance that's going to be the top 25 once, you know, week 10 hits. It's very hard to figure out how good teams are at this point in the season. Well, the uh, the eternal debate, the Big Sky or the Missouri Valley, where are you at right now? Which is the number one ranked conference in the FCS in your opinion? Yeah, I think it is the big sky. Um, you know, b- before it was kind of the, the argument of would you rather have, you know, six, you know, playoff-worthy teams, but none of them are really in that top tier, or would you rather have, you know, four playoff-worthy teams like the Valley and, you know, the, the two top-tier teams. Uh, but right now, I mean, the, the big sky kind of has you know, almost seven, you know, playoff-worthy teams. Um, I think Montana State is, is absolutely a part of that top tier. Um, of legit title contenders. Uh, I think South Dakota State is in that tier as well. I think NDSU, as of right now, you drop them down a tier. And I think Idaho is very, very close to, to being in that top tier. And so not only does uh, the Big Sky have the depth now, but I think they have you know, two of the top three challengers, two of the top four challengers for the FCS national title. And so uh, I think the Big Sky has kind of taken that crown as the, as the top FCS conference. He's Sam Herder. You can find all of his great writings and other content, heroesports.com. You can also follow him on Twitter. And you can also hear him here each Wednesday during the 4 o'clock hour uh, on Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio and SWX Montana Television. Sam, great stuff, man. Great reporting today. And uh, thanks for sharing all the insight. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you. One of those seven teams in the Big Sky Conference that's in the top 25 UC Davis, they host another one. Montana on Saturday. It is the game in the Big Sky because there's only three of them. But also, a couple top 20 teams will get you at least some national recognition. A lot of people don't know this because Tommy Mallott is such a star in Montana. And Giovanni McCoy took the Big Sky by storm last year, winning the Jerry Rice Award as the top freshman in the country. Those two guys were second and third team all Big Sky, respectively. Miles Hastings of UC Davis is the returning and reigning first-team All-Big Sky quarterback from the Big Sky Conference. UC Davis' signal caller joins us next live. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Welcome back, everybody. Little Nas, little Lauren Hill for you. Hope you have a great Wednesday. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tomorrow, the fun begins. The Watson Children's Shelter Tennis Pro-Am, hosted by Peak Health and Wellness. The auction is tomorrow, and then the action plays out Friday through the end of the weekend. 
Join us, uh, join them, the Watson Children's Shelter and uh, the Peak Health and Wellness Center at the Wilma for a live auction tomorrow. What you're doing is you're bidding to play with a tennis pro for the weekend uh, of this weekend with former Olympians, Grand Slam winners, U.S. Open champions up for bid. This event promises to be a smashing blend of world-class tennis action, camaraderie, and philanthropy. Additionally, for the enthusiastic young ones, there's a junior pro-am on Friday morning. Tickets and details, WatsonChildrenShelter.org, ESPN Radio, and the Trail 103.3. Proud to sponsor this pro-am once again. Watson Children's Shelter, they have a mission to provide safety, nurturing, and stability to children and families through quality service and trauma-informed care. It's time now for our Big Sky Spotlight, where we highlight various different storylines from around the Big Sky Conference. This week, a huge game in Davis, California, one of my favorite places in the Big Sky Conference. We're joined now by UC Davis quarterback Miles Hastings. Miles, thanks for making some time today, man. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Uh, of course, man. We always love uh, covering anything in the big sky, but especially Davis guys, because Davis guys, you know, they seem to they seem to know what they're doing when it comes to talking and communicate. And you're a communications major, right? So, I mean, this should be old hat for you. It's pretty easy for you coming on the radio. Right, right. It, it should be. Let's, <laughs> let's hope I can put this major to use. <laughs> well, gotta love it. Uh, first of all, to start with just being there in, in Davis, California. I love Davis, man. I think Davis is an awesome place. That campus is so sweet. It seems like a great place to have a college experience in general and also play a little college football, too. So what led you there? What do you love about just being there in Davis, California? Right. Uh, Davis is an amazing town. Um, little co- college town. Um, great location in California. You know, you're only an hour away from San Francisco. You got Sacramento, only 20 minutes away. Um, but, you know, uh, just all the people I've met here, um, everyone's really nice. Um, the school is, you know, the education speaks for itself. Um, and then also just being from, being from San Diego, um, you know, it, it was kind of a no-brainer to stay in California for me. I mean, not, not bad going from San Marcos up to up to Davis. Pretty good uh, weather. What, what's your favorite spots in Davis? I, I've been down there a couple times. I love the Burgers and Brews place that's right by campus. Is, is that a good one, or am I missing out on something better? No, no, that's a, that's a great one. Um, there's also a breakfast burrito spot called Alibaba. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fan favorite for a lot of people. Um, and then if you want another burger spots, there's a place called Froggies, which is, uh, there in downtown, you know, um, famous for their burgers. Oh, we gotta love it. Miles Hastings from UC Davis, their quarterback joining us here on Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. Davis hosts Montana, uh, on Saturday. Let's talk about the season to this point, uh, Miles. You guys have had uh, an interesting schedule. You looked very impressive in your opener against Texas A&M Commerce. A little bit of a buzzsaw against Oregon State, but that's a team that's in the top 15 right now in the FBS. Uh, squeaked one out against Southern Utah. A really good game against uh, Eastern Washington. The last week, uh, you guys disposed of Cal Poly pretty easily. So, I mean, where do you think you guys are at just as a team, as an offense? How do you think it's gone so far, and then how maybe has it compared to your expectations coming into this year? Right. I mean, uh, you did a great recap right there, but, uh, you know, just, I think, I think falling to Eastern Washington, uh, there was tough, you know, and I, I mean, I'll take a lot of responsibility. Can't turn the ball over there. Um, but you know, in the big sky, it's, it's really any given Saturday. Um, it almost seems like anybody can beat anybody. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's really like the, F, the SEC of the FCS. It's, it's a competitive group, so um, always fun battle every week, um, you know. And and then this last game, you know, uh, getting the uh, the horseshoe trophy back for our our game against uh, Cal Poly was awesome. It's always fun when you got a little a trophy on the line, a little rivalry, a little in-state action as well. Uh, UC Davis thirty-one thirteen over Cal okay. Poly uh, last week. How about just yourself adjusting to uh, a new offensive play caller? I actually talked to Mike Cody earlier today, offensive line coach, and now the OC as well, uh, stepping in for Cody Hawkins after Cody took the the job at Idaho State. So uh, what are some of the differences you notice, and how's that transition gone for you so far? 
All right, it's been it's been great. Um, Mike Cody is awesome. Um, he's a great coach. Um, I think the transition went really uh, really smooth. Um, you know, uh, we're still uh, we're still uh, learning each other and, and building off of that. Um, and uh, really excited for him. And he's been calling great games. And uh, you know, obviously, we'll always always uh, love and appreciate Cody Hawkins. And you know, I, I think he's doing a great job there at Idaho State too. So. Certainly was impressed with Coach Hawkins last week. I got a chance to see him in Missoula and uh, Idaho State. They looked much improved, even though they did fall last week to Montana. And, and Coach Hawk was definitely an interesting guy. We love to have him on the show. He's definitely uh, an outside-the-box thinker. Definitely probably gets it from the old man because I think uh, the, the first mm-hmm. Coach Hawk is definitely much like that as well. I mean, how about that element? I mean, what, what have you thought of playing for Dan Hawkins? Because I mean, every time I talk to him, I just think, man, this guy thinks a little bit differently, but I really appreciate the way uh, he, he does stuff. So um, uh, what have you thought of just that experience playing for Dan Hawkins? Right. I mean, it's been great. Um, coach Hawkins is a, a great coach with a lot of experience. So I think he's, he's seen a lot. Um, and you know, he, uh, he really values his players opinions and his coaches and, uh, really relies on that. And then he kind of just, you know, keeps guiding us in the right direction. And, you know, he's, he's just done tremendous things here and can't say enough about him. Miles Hastings joining us quarterback for the UC Davis Aggies. UC Davis hosting a top 20 matchup against Montana, 4 p.m. Pacific time Saturday, 5 p.m. in Montana, as you listen to this on uh, ESPN MT. Your offensive line, too. I've actually been really impressed with both sides of the ball for UC Davis these last couple years. I think you guys got some some great talent and, and some guys with a lot of experience. And uh, I know the offensive line's sort of mixing in a group of a couple older guys and then some younger guys as well. But uh, Jake Park's a guy that really stood out to me uh, when he's been healthy these last couple of years, I think he's got great talent. I think he's one of the most talented interior guys in the in the conference. So, uh, just having a linchpin like that up front, uh, how much does that help the whole unit? And what have you just thought of that unit so far this year? Right. Uh, first of all, Jake Parks, he's a great talent and uh, a really good leader for us. Um, you know, he. Uh, he, uh, he he takes charge of that group and uh, really takes a lot of pride in it, and uh, I appreciate him a lot. And you know, uh, I think the the rest of the group, you know, they they've done like amazing. Uh, you know, you got Jordan Ford, who is uh, another guard for us, who's a six year guy, and um, he is a special talent too. Great leader. Um, they're all very close up front, so I think that helps. And then you know, you got Pete Povey. Uh, you know, playing center for us doing great things. And Eli at left tackle, you know, uh, he's been, he's been a great rock for me back there this season. And, uh, obviously he's changed, changed around at the right tackle a little bit, but, uh, you know, all, all those guys who have stepped in, have just done a great job and I'm, I'm super proud of them. Well, sorry about the game on Saturday then. Um, I mean, first of all, just what do you think of the magnitude of the matchup? Cause you got a couple top 20 teams squaring off. And I think that, this year in the Big Sky, I mean, it's just going to be a war every time out. Like you mentioned, I mean, it, there's just so many good teams in the league. But what do you think of this specific matchup? And uh, what's your guys' mentality going into this one? Right, right. Uh, a great opponent, you know. Um, they uh, they've, they've been they've been the top of top of the conference for a, a long time now. But uh, I think for us, it's it's never really been about the opponents just you know it's how, how can we be the best that we can be and let the results uh figure themselves out um i think hawk preaches that a lot when you look at montana's defense they they uh they run a lot of different coverages on the back end and, and also bring a lot of different pressures uh with their front i guess six is what they usually play as a front six so um what are the keys to attacking that for you the pass game and just the offensive unit as a whole Right. I, I think for that is, you know, making sure we're all on the same page up front, you know, because they will do some funk and got to got to tip your cap to the defense because, you know, they uh, they uh, create a lot of pressure and funk and, you know, they have created a lot of turnovers this season. So uh, uh, really good defense that we will be going against. 
Should be a fun one. You guys have gotten some good crowds already this year. I expect there to be probably a great crowd there at Davis again uh, with Montana in town. So, I mean, last thing for you, then, what do you think of just the way that this matchup could impact your season, and what are the overall expectations there for you guys at UC Davis? Great. I mean, uh, any week in the big sky, it's a a new week. Um, Trying to go 1-0. And, you know, I... I don't think we worry too much about the results or look too far in the future. Um, but we do, we do expect, uh, you know, just to be ourselves. And, and like I said, you know, let the results speak for themselves. Miles Hastings, the reigning first team, all league quarterback in the big sky conference and the guy at the helm for the UC Davis Aggies, as they prepare to host the Montana Grizzlies uh, on Saturday afternoon. Miles, thanks for being here, man. I know it's a busy time of year. Appreciate you for chiming in, and uh, best of luck on Saturday. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Big Sky Spotlight, presented by Dave Maldonado and Maldonado Law. Maldonado Law, excellent when it comes to criminal defense or personal injury. Any legal advice or any legal help, visit BigSkyDefender.com. Let's talk some Grizz hockey. They had a raucous home debut on Saturday. Mike Anderson, Grizz hockey coach. Well, join us next, live here on ESPN Radio. Don't change that channel. New on us now. One, two, three. New on us now on ESPN Radio. I can't believe we've never played that song on this show. Welcome back. New on us now. ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. It's just a, such a funny song. I don't know why I think it's so funny, but I do. <laughs> Hopefully, you're having a great week so far. Thanks so much for spending some time with us, and thanks for, so much for indulging Why I want to listen to some Drake. Three games coming up for the Grizz hockey team this weekend. They made their home debut this last week. Now they got Utah Valley in town tomorrow. Weber State in town Friday. And Utah State in town Saturday. Thursday, tomorrow, is student night. So you're going to get $3, 16-ounce Coors beers. And then Saturday is Western night. So wear your best Western outfit. Man, this is going to be a photo op to be had down there at the Glacier Ice Rink with people going to a hockey game dressed in their cowboy gear. That sounds uh, pretty darn fun. Time now for our Grizz hockey segment. First of all, if you want some wings for the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill, Let's make it a free-for-all. Text in 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Text in, and uh, that'll get you entered in, and we'll pick one lucky winner to get a dozen of the best wings in the city of Missoula. Call right now, 406. Or excuse me, text right now, 406-888-1029. we got to have you text because Mike Anderson, the head coach of the Grizz hockey team, is on the line, uh, on the Rangers Brothers RV phone line, that is. Mike, thanks for making some time, man. How you doing? I'm well. How are you doing, man? Uh, very good. Uh, nice to hear from you. Uh, first of all, let's talk to you about last weekend. You guys uh, had your home debut, and it went very well, uh, but it was a tight game against the University of Utah until the third period. Then you guys really slammed the door and put them away, ended up emerging with a 5-1 to one win. So just take us through it. Mean, what was the keys to you guys finishing that thing out so strong? Well, I think it was an accumulation of how the whole game went, to be honest. I, the score is what it is. You can't always control that. We, we dominated all three periods, controlled the chances, uh, had a lot of zone time, kept them to the outside. We did a lot of really good things Friday night that I was really happy to see that we can build on for the rest of the year. And, and by the third, you know, the, the effect of just doing it and doing it and doing it finally paid off. We popped a few in on the power play and, and had a good night. So finished about a little bit less goals than we probably deserved, but that's the game. Well, so, sometimes that's how hockey goes, though, right? So, I mean, how do you sort of maintain that consistent attack when when things when when, the, when all the things you're dominating in aren't resulting in goals? How do you stay focused until the dam sort of breaks, like you're talking about? If you if you have a secret recipe for that, you let me know. <laughs> I know, right? It's hockey a, and it's soccer coaches everywhere yeah. are, are asking this exact same it's, thing, right? You just you just consistently preach process over results. And you just remind the kids that, you know, this game is, is very much like life and you just try and do the best you can and hope things fall for you. 
and that's all you can really do. So we, we preach process a lot. We preach good habits, and we know that over time, as the season goes, we'll win more games than we lose, and, and we'll be in a good spot. So that's what we really try to focus on. It does get hard in the moment, especially when there's a big crowd and all that kind of stuff, but it, it I think it was a good start for us where on the mental side we stayed positive, no one panicked. You know, they made a 3-1 game. And then they got a power play with seven minutes left. That, that really could have changed things, but there was no panic on the bench, no panic on the ice, and it, it really showed, and, and we uh, finished them off strong. What, what did you think of the crowd? How, how do you think you guys uh, handled just that, being in a cool atmosphere like you did? You know, we had uh, probably seven new guys out there who hadn't played in front of the home crowd before, and and I think that each year as this goes, we get more comfortable in that environment. Um, so I didn't see any guys who were really – you know, overwhelmed by it. I think the majority of the guys are used to it and enjoy it and use it to our advantage. And, and at least for that first game, it, it didn't get to us and we didn't, uh, you know, get too emotional and too caught up in that side of things. We played smart, we played hard, and gave the crowd a good showing. So that was cool. Mike Anderson, Chris Hockey, joining us here on the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. On to on is now. Keep those texts coming in. Wing it Wednesday. We got a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Despo, a great place to stop in either before or after Grizz hockey games. It's just right across the way there. The uh, Grizz hockey team plays their home games at the Glacier Ice Rink there at the Missoula Fairgrounds, which is right off of Russell Street, right by Malfunction Junction. And, uh, of course, the Despo just right there on Russell, uh, right across from the YMCA. So a great place to gather before or after at Grizz hockey games. So go check them out. And in the meantime, if you want some wings, we got a dozen of them for free. All you got to do is text in, and you'll be entered in to win a uh, as part of Wing It Wednesday, 406-888-1029. What else have you liked about the way your team's playing so far? I mean, a 3-0 start can't be much better than that. You guys' scoring margin right now, I think 21-4, to so you guys have been controlling these games uh, pretty handily as well. Uh, what what sort of things have you liked execution-wise and, and stylistically you guys have been doing these first three games? Yeah, I, I really liked our uh, our forecheck, our puck pursuit, and uh, how, how well we've been back-pressuring which allows our, our D to step in the neutral zone. So we did, we've done a lot of little things well. For sure, Saturday night, I wasn't uh, at the games when we played Eastern, but from what I saw in film, not the greatest showing for us as far as structure goes. So we took a lot of positive steps last weekend as far as how we want to play. And, and the big things really were our puck's pursuit was really strong, so we are just super aggressive, and we wanted to get it back. And then when we had it, we valued it. So we didn't just throw pucks away. We didn't just chip them in to, to make the safe play. We tried to make plays and always had guys backtracking so that we could create pressure and create those vices that we're trying to create to create turnovers and get it back. So a lot of little things, but a lot of things that as a coach, I was really happy to see. But now you got uh, the first of what's – you guys did this a couple times last year too where you play uh, three or four days in a row, and you got three in a row coming up. Because it's basically like the Utah Classic coming to town, Utah Valley, Weber State, and Utah State all in town over the next several days. So, um, just purely opponent aside, just from a sort of management and uh, conditioning standpoint, how big are the challenges when you have to play three and three nights? You know, it's it's interesting because we think of you know college kids as you know, especially as we're older, culted, we think of them as so young, but right. they're starting to get to that age where they really do have to manage their bodies and, and we have to be more cognizant of, of rest. So we take these opportunities to get some guys in who maybe wouldn't get, get in on a normal weekend to spread things out and to give guys some rest and, uh, you know, allow them to play two or three games that weekend, you know, versus, you know, playing all three. So we try and make sure that we balance that with, you know, putting the best lineup possible out there with also giving some guys some rest. Because three games in two days is insane. It's really hard on your body. Um, so we're we're pretty cognizant of that. And and this year is the first year we can really uh, actually give guys some rest. The last first two years, the guys had to go with what we had. So I'm excited to see at the end of the season a healthier, more uh, refreshed team because we can we can spread things out a bit now. Thursday night, that's tomorrow, Utah Valley in town. This thing starts at 8 p.m. We'll have all the action on both the ESPN MT app and on ESPN Radio here. It's a student and Greek life night, so student tickets, only 4 bucks. Also going to have some great discount beer specials as well, including uh, Coors, Coors Pounders for 3 bucks. So if you 
I want to go have some fun down there at the uh, Glacier Ice Rink. That sounds like a pretty good deal and a pretty good time. Uh, any gauge or any scout on Utah Valley? Coach, what, what do you think of this squad that's coming to town tomorrow? Uh, Utah Valley is a, a good program that um, I think this year is in a bit of a transitional period. They had some guys come over when BYU shut down that are no longer with them. Uh, so we certainly expect to to have a good game against them and and uh, see what we can do. But they're uh, you know they're a team that's not super deep and just um, not quite you know we we should we should be able to do a lot of good things against them. Is what is what how I'll phrase it. Um, I never want to you know downplay a team or anything. We take everyone seriously, and we certainly are. But I think the expectations for us are to come out with a W for sure. And then uh, 7.30 for the Weber State game on Friday and then 7.30 on Saturday as well for the Utah State game. It's Wild West night down there at the rink <laughs> on uh, on Saturday. So this should be quite the photo op. I, I can't wait to see the Grizz hockey crowd dressed up in their best Western outfits. This is going to be pretty funny. Yeah. I got to find me a bolo tie. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Anderson, wear a little I, bolo I, tie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those two teams um, are very good. They're very good teams. Uh, they are Utah State was in nationals last year. Weber State makes regionals every year and, and certainly is one of those top teams. So we are very excited to welcome them here and, and play them again and and uh, make sure that we have a good showing against two of the top teams in the West and in the nation. So we're pretty pretty excited for it to give ourselves a, a challenge early on and and uh, see what we could do against some good teams. Three nights in a row if you want to catch Grizz Hockey in action. If you can't make it down to the rink, you can always find the action on ESPN Radio, 102.9 FM in Western Montana, and on the ESPN MT app. Mike Anderson joining us like he will each Wednesday here on Nuanas. Now, Coach, appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. See you, Colton. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you. Couple more minutes though for those texts. 406 888 1029. You want some wings of the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill? We got them. 888 1029. Text us. Talking all things Major League Baseball right after this. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 